is not a normal Christmas story. No, this is unlike any Christmas story you've probably heard. You've heard the story of the birth of the Messiah, the Alpha and Omega, the story of when the world first met Jesus on that fateful silent night. But while Mary and Joseph were expecting the arrival of their boy, and while the world held its breath, there was an event happening above, not on the earth, a war in heaven. A war with an enemy fiery and strong, an enemy who brings division and chaos, an enemy committed to robbing creation of hope, joy, peace, and love. But the good news is upon us. The victor has come. He is the victor that defeated the fiery dragon with all of his schemes and will one day defeat this formidable enemy once and for all. And tonight, we remember that this victor came in the most unlikely package of all. A child, weak and small, born of a virgin in a manger on a quiet and still night. On that first cold Christmas morning, the world was filled with the anticipation of the long-awaited Messiah, our victor to come. Creation held its breath, so desperate for justice and salvation that the earth itself groaned, O come, O come, Emmanuel.
highest praise today. God, we welcome you today. Come have your way in our hearts, God.
expecting you, the long-awaited Messiah, in a world ridden by hope, or a lack of hope, a world ridden by pain and frustration. Maybe they were expecting just another day of disappointment. But you came in the flesh to meet us and to change the course of history forever. make every wrong thing right. So God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that here today, Emmanuel, God with us, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you're standing with us, even now. We don't want to miss this moment. We don't want to miss out on your heart. So we just love you. God, be honored and adored tonight as we sing your praises. God, we love you. And everybody said, amen.
In the heavens there was a woman, clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars upon her head. She was in labor, hopeful and anxious, but every bit in pain. She was to give birth to a son, a nation of God's chosen, sending a ripple through space and time to change the course of the world forever. Then came the enemy, large and fiery. With one crushing blow from the enemy, a third of the stars from the sky came crashing down, dragging down parts of heaven onto the earth. The enemy cornered the woman in labor and was ready to destroy the expected child. The woman gave birth and her son was placed safely before the Lord. He rules all nations with an iron scepter and he is enthroned with God forever. The woman escaped to the desert where she was kept safe by God for more than a thousand days. Then war broke out in heaven. The enemy and heaven's angels fought, but the enemy was no match for the angels, and he was overthrown, clearing the heavens out. Not a trace of the evil one was left. Salvation and power was established through the kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah. The enemy and the accusers of our brothers and sisters have been thrown out. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The war that broke out in heaven was no match for the great and mighty one, the Lord our God. The birth of this nation was to give testimony of the coming Jesus. The war that broke out in heaven has been won. Rejoice as our expected savior has arrived. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. It's good to be with you. Um, thanks for coming to this service. Our first one was, was pretty full. We didn't really know what to expect tonight, um, but it's good to see everybody here. And got one more after this. Um, as you've noticed, there's been a real revelation-y type, type theme, apocalyptic type theme. If you came last Sunday, you know we talked through Revelation chapter 12, which is the video kind of unpacks a little bit more, and we're going to talk a little bit about Revelation tonight. And um, After a year like 2020, we just thought it was fitting to go to that place, and Revelation 12 and the imagery there has really kind of gripped us um, as, as seeing the, the, the birth of Christ, as seeing the, the incarnation, as seeing what Jesus did from a, from a different perspective, almost like you pull the curtains back and get to see the struggle that that was going on in the heavenlies. Um, and if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to the message last week and we unpack it more. But, um, but yeah, we're going to dive in a little bit more tonight. Uh, so many things have happened in our world this year. We've got the COVID pandemic, social unrest, political division, and fatigue, technological addiction and anxiety. The world does seem to be shrinking, but the anxiety and angst seems to be increasing. We really do have to swallow the sour pill of the phrase, things will never be the same again. And some of us even have septic tank problems right now. Now, I don't mean like right now, I'm not having those, but in my household right now, we even just all of a sudden had a septic problem. It was like, oh yeah, 2020, thank you very much. For Mary and Joseph, the turmoil of their betrothal being disrupted by an unapproved pregnancy, a census reminding them of how powerless 
and invaluable they are. Angels waking them up while they are trying to sleep. Pregnancy pains, unwanted strangers in Bethlehem and having to give birth to a baby in a barn type thing. But with all the challenges, the struggles, injustices, and pain that we have experienced, or Mary and Joseph experienced, the true reality of humanity's situation is a lot worse. It's way worse when we look at it through Revelation's eyes. Because in Revelation, we see that the world is under the influence of the devil. The Bible's very clear about that. Jesus is very clear about that. I know it seems fairy tale. It seems hard to believe. It's one of those things that Christians believe that seems a little wild until you get through a year like this, until you really come face to face with the pain and the heart and the ache and the evil in the world. But the Bible is very clear that the world's under the influence of the devil. The devil is real and evil is also. And humanity has as much power in our struggle with the devil as a pregnant woman in labor has battling a seven-headed dragon. That's what Revelation tells us. Revelation chapter 12. We have no power in this struggle. And we keep trying to come up with new political agendas. We keep trying to come up with new scientific or technological advances to try and solve some of these real pains and real struggles. But it is absolutely futile. And the way that that's pictured in Revelation 12 is a pregnant woman in labor against a seven-headed dragon. And we all feel that sometimes when we're really honest with ourselves and the battles we're facing, the temptations we have that seem to overtake us, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the doubt, just seem stronger than everything else. And we come to terms with the reality that we are, we are weak in the face of all the problems that we have. So then how can we sing joy to the world? <laughs> how can we sing rejoice? Because God didn't leave us alone to fight our dragons. God sent his own son to defeat the dragon. That's what Christmas is all about. You see, Jesus didn't come into the world on Christmas Day to give us some warm and cozy feelings, even though every once in a while they'd hit something on those lights and it was weird. I was like, I feel so warm all of a sudden. It's good stuff. Those guys worked hard on that. I'm so thankful for all the work. Jesus did not come into the world to give us a good story for a celebration. Jesus came because humanity, you and I, were trapped by sin and headed to death forevermore. Evil was really winning. As the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save the people from their sin. And the word there in the Greek for save is sozo. And, it, and it's this deep word. And it is true that Jesus came to rescue us. There's that concept, sozo, rescue. Jesus came to rescue us from our pitiful struggle. He came to rescue us from defeat daily. He came to rescue us from death forevermore. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But that's not all. Sozo also has a connotation of deliverance and, and preservation. So Jesus came not only to rescue us, but he also came to preserve us as we go forward. And then to deliver us from the new challenges that come 
again and again. And sozo also has a deep connotation of healing. So he rescues us. He preserves us. He delivers us. But in all of that, he's also healing us. And ultimately, sozo has a connotation of being made new or being made whole. That God's plan for us, if we will take his hand and we will walk with him, is he will rescue us. He will deliver us. He will preserve us. He will heal us. He will make us whole and he will make us new. And that's the plan of Jesus. To describe this a little more, my brother John, is a, he's a little bit wild. I'm three boys. He's in the middle. And uh, he's like all those boys that, I don't know if there's any boys that came in here and they gave you a glow stick instead of a candle. My brother John's the one you give the glow stick to. You don't give him the candle. <laughs> that's pretty funny, guys. You can laugh. It's Christmas Eve, you know, you know. But John, um, I got a call one night, and uh, it was from the Coast Guard in Hawaii, and they were calling to say, hey, could you give us any information about where your brother John was headed or what he was been doing over here in Hawaii? And, and I didn't know much. I knew he had gone over there, and he was going to do some kayaking. And they said, we got a distressed call from him about three days ago, and we haven't, we haven't been able to find him. And uh, I told him everything I knew. I called my mom and my other brother, and and the panic set in, and, and we got on a plane the next day and flew over to Maui, not knowing what we would find, but just felt like we would, it would be better to be there. And what had happened is my brother was kayaking um, just off the, off the shore, and a storm and kind of wind came, and it was, it was, it was later. He was probably pushing it too much, and, and the storm took him and, and just started to push him out to sea, and he was fighting with the storm all night, but he was in and out of his boat because the waves kept crashing. You couldn't see them before they hit him. The next day, he kept paddling and paddling. He actually fainted from exhaustion, and he found himself ultimately 120 miles south of Hawaii, out in the sea. And he describes, you know, the first night, all that struggle. The second night was, was when he, he could see the lights on the shore, but knowing no one knew where he was and how in danger he was. The next day, he remembers at some point he couldn't see land anymore. And just going through more and more depression and despair because of his situation until that last day on the fifth morning, he just carved some sort of note, he said, into the bottom of the kayak. And he read one of his psalms. He had a little New Testament in psalms. And he just said, God, it's got to be today. Otherwise, his plan was just to swim as deep as he could and then take a huge breath. And by God's grace, they continued to search for him, and a Navy pilot actually saw him. And then he was saved. But he was a lot more saved when the Coast Guard frogger guy got out there and was lowered into the water and they threw a raft out to him and he got in the raft and got a little sip of water, a little taste of something to give him some nourishment. But not, not even that described how much he was saved once the frogger hooked him up to that little thing and they pulled him up into the helicopter. And then he got on the shore and he was that much more saved. And then once they put him in the ambulance and started to treat some of his, his, his infected wounds and his sunburn, he was a little more saved. And then when they got him to the hospital, hooked him up to IVs, he was even more saved. And then I remember when me and my mom and my brother walked in, and you could see him, and he just was burnt to a crisp, and he had all of these giant infected wounds all over his arms, 
And he was just kind of laying there. He couldn't really move because everything hurt. And his lips were charred and swollen. And when he saw us and his eyes, you could, he could kind of barely see out of his eyes. But when he saw us, he just went, <sighs> and as a younger brother, I just wanted to make fun of him so bad. But I held off. I held off in that moment. Because in that moment, he experienced a whole nether level of being saved. And then we got to be together as a family, and we stayed in a hotel, and then we went out to eat at some point. And you get what I'm saying. It just got richer and richer. He was more and more saved, step by step, process by process. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to save us in the full, full sense of the word. He came to save all of creation in the full sense of the word. And Revelation 21 gives us another picture from the book of Revelation, and it kind of is this final reality. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with mankind, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. God is and always has been in the process of making all things new. Of taking what is broken in this life. Taking what is dead in this life. And leading it to this place where it will be new. And not only does he want to do that for all of creation, but he wants to do that for you. He's not nervous or intimidated by all the brokenness in your life. In fact, the more broken, the more nervous, the more he's inclined to just be with you and to save you. He said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. And he has come. And he continues to come to all those who will receive him. And what he wants to do in our lives is he wants to make things new. There has never been a doubt. There has never been a challenge. There has never been anything that has kept creation from ultimately heading towards where God has in mind for it. Another way to look at it is like a seed. You take a seed and the seed has everything inside of it to become what it's supposed to do. But the seed has to go through death. It has to be broken down in order for what it's really supposed to be to come to fruition. And that's the promise here. He's going to make all things new. He's going to get everyone who belongs to him, and he's going to get all of creation to its expected end. We're going to get to see the flower that comes after the dead seed. But where we're living right now is under the ground and the seed is dying. And you and I know we as people from the day we're born, we really begin the the process of dying. And we see our creation groaning and aching, longing for what's next. 
But God's purposes and plans have never been in jeopardy, never been unsure. But he's continuing to march us towards that point. And he's wanting to take as many people who would have him to that expected end. And so that's all of our decision tonight. Where are we at with Jesus? He came. He's done his part. He's reached out all the way down. He has come into our world. He has associated with us. And then tonight, he's once again reaching out. And if you'll take his hand, he will lead you to that expected end. But the beautiful thing about that time is in our world, in our day of death and reoccurrence, we, we have a flower that blooms, but it doesn't stay long. Because winter comes or night comes. But in that day, there will be no more winter. There will be no more night. Everything will at every moment be in full bloom. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why Jesus had to come, to make that possible for you and I. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you so much that you knew all of this when we didn't. You cared about all of this when we didn't. Lord, when you spoke to this with us and we laughed at you or turned away, you continued to stay with us. And I thank you that we have so much reason to rejoice. We have so much reason to hope that you are able to preserve us. You are able to rescue us. You are able to deliver us. You are able to heal us in the process. You are able to make all things new, even the things that we thought were lost forever. As I was praying for you this night, felt like the Lord was saying there's some people in here that are like the woman with the issue of blood who, who didn't really think Jesus had any time for her. Who thought she was just stuck in her problem. But one day, for some reason, she mustered a lot of courage. And as Jesus was passing by, she reached out and touched his clothes. And she was healed. She was saved. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you feel Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, you would muster all the courage you can and you would open up that door and allow him to come in. You would reach out and touch his outstretched hand and find yourself saved and find yourself being more saved every day for the rest of your life. And the way that you do that is not complicated. It's just a simple prayer saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrongs I've done. Jesus, will you help me? Jesus, will you save me? It's all it takes to begin that journey. Thank you, Lord. Well, will you stand with me as we sing another worship song. And this song we really wanted to sing tonight because it just felt like it was our response to this year. It was like this year and this giant wave of trying to crash and take us out and we wanted to stand and in defiance 
with a quiet resolve, sing this song of worship to our King. And this is a song right now where we're going to get out of the way. You came here to meet with Jesus. And so right now, this is, this is your time. No one's going to talk to you. No one's going to do anything. This is your time to take advantage of this moment and maybe listen to see what he's saying or maybe begin to talk to him about some of the things in your life as we sing this song.
You guys can cheer real loud if you want to right now. <laughs> we have a lot of joy. We have a lot of good news. And this year, I've been able to really lean on the faithfulness of our Father in heaven. And I, he's just been there. He's been that rock. He's been that guide. And I have to say, Living Streams family, you guys have brought me so much joy this year. Your faithfulness your maturity and your grace has been felt, you know, wave after wave. Just as many stresses and challenges have come, I've felt all of those waves of grace and goodness from you guys as well. And I'm so thankful. My family's felt that. Our staff has felt that. It's really been a wonderful, wonderful year in a lot of ways. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so glad we're standing here. I'm so glad we're poised and excited about next year because of who our Lord is, because the King is on the throne. And we're just one year closer. We're just one day closer. Take a deep breath. We're one breath closer to really getting to see the full fruition of God's plan. And it really is something beautiful. So we can sing joy to the world joy to the world. We can go out with joy and be led forth with peace because Jesus has come and he's coming again. Ready for this? That's Jesus. You only live once. Just kidding. Be right back. Right? Right? I forgot to do that first service. I had so many people come up afterwards and were like, what is with your shirt? And I was like, oh, sorry. I just confused everybody. <laughs> but if you want to grab your candles now, this is a really special time we're going to have. Let's bring up our, our living room folks and uh, check in on them. What's up? Got some candles, got some glow sticks. All right. Don't burn the house down. That would kind of ruin Christmas. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and sing Silent Night as we remember that Jesus came.
Well, in a world that's so fast-paced as ours, it's nice to light a candle and to sing slow and to be still. And uh, I was just thinking as we were singing, it'd be so fun if one year we just were all holding these candles, singing like kind of happy birthday, silent night, Jesus, and then all the candles just blew out all of a sudden. Be like, yeah, that was awesome, but it didn't happen, so we'll try again next year. But what we're going to do, as we've always done, is we're going to shout out, Happy Birthday, Jesus. It's his birthday tomorrow. And uh, then we'll all blow out the candles. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Happy Birthday, Jesus. Well, Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful day tomorrow. And uh, we'll see you soon.